how did your favorite NFL team do over the July 20, or excuse me, the April 24th NFL draft? As we welcome you to this 345th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. Um, Chris and I were on a bit of a break, if you will, uh, during the NFL draft. So we haven't had a chance to really talk a lot about the National Football League. And we're going to dedicate most of this episode to doing just that. Talk about the teams that did well. Talk about the teams that may have won the offseason program in regard to free agency and the draft and which teams basically screwed the pooch. A lot of things to talk about. I mean, I want to talk about what happened in Miami. I have been very difficult on the Miami Dolphins and their organization, starting with Stephen Ross all the way down. But I've got a surprise there for you as we get more and more into this episode. Obviously, I want to talk about one of the biggest things that's been talked about post-draft is did is did Dave Gettleman, general manager of the New York Giants, go way too early to find his next quarterback in Gotham? He went all the way to the first round with the number six overall pick to draft the kid Daniel Jones out of Duke. What do we know about Duke? Well, what I know about Duke is it's a basketball school. Are there any football players at Duke? Well, obviously there's one, and Dave Gettleman was very high on the quarterback, the former quarterback for the Duke Blue Devils, Daniel Jones, again, who went six to the New York Giants. Too early? Maybe. Dwayne Haskins, a lot of people thought he might be a potential match with the New York Giants with that sixth pick, but he slipped all the way down to 18th, and now he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got that Aaron Rodgers chip on his shoulder. So we can talk about that. I think they probably had to dummy up the the playbook a little bit in our nation's capital or my nation's capital in regard to Dwayne Haskins. I'm going to go out on record. I don't think Dwayne Haskins is the sharpest knife in the drawer. Maybe they had a different set of crayons in the huddle in Washington than they did at Ohio State University under Urban Meyer. I wonder how Urban Meyer's ethics class is going. Oh, I digress. Um... A lot of things to talk about as I bring in the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, and a lot of great knowledge out of this man's head about the NFL draft. So I give the microphone over to Chris and hear what he has to say as some initial thoughts about the 2019 NFL draft from Nashville, Tennessee. Sir? Yeah, the New York Giants, man. I mean, you talk about an up and down uneven last few months. It's like everything they do is either the best thing ever or the worst thing ever. There's just so little in between. I mean, they've made some amazing under the radar uh, signings, like signing Marcus Golden to a really team friendly deal. They traded for Kevin Zeitler. I mean, these are great moves. They've and they've done a number of other ones too, but then they trade away Odell Beckham for some unknown reason And then they go ahead and they draft this kid at number six, who I understand drafting for need, but the number six overall pick is valuable. That was an obvious trade down situation. There's no excuse for drafting him right there. Even if you're convinced, because, you know, Dave Gettleman was saying, oh, well, we know for a fact there were two other teams that were going to take him by 15. First of all, no, you don't know that, Dave. And (laughs) secondly, a number six pick on the draft value chart is really, really high. I mean, even if you can trade down to eight 
or something like that. And really, you honestly like this kid that much over Dwayne Haskins or someone like that. Even Drew Locke was getting top 10 consideration. And then it's funny because originally a lot of people had mocked uh, Drew Locke to Denver at number 10. Then Denver takes him, you know, in the second round. Right, right. Right, which is hilarious. But and that just shows if Drew Locke's going to fall that far, you have to think that this other kid is going to as well. At six was such a reach. It was unbelievable. I really say what you want about Dwayne Haskins. I hope that every time he starts for the Washington Redskins, and they play the Giants, that he just lights them up and laughs all the way to the bank because that was just ridiculous. And speak, keeping on with the Giants, their draft class wasn't any better. This was a horrific draft class. Obviously, when you start by taking... Uh, a potential bust, and if nothing else, a reach at number six. You, you're really behind the eight ball when it comes to having an overall great draft class. They didn't really accomplish anything at all with their draft class. I do want to, as an overall uh, class, obviously single out the Buffalo Bills. What an unbelievable draft class. I mean, just not just amazing talent, but amazing value for where you were drafting uh, was unbelievable. But to get... Ed Oliver at number nine, when the Bills had discussed trading up to as high as number three, uh, just just spectacular. Cody Ford falls to them. He could have been an easy first-round pick. He falls all the way down to them. Just seemed like everything that the Buffalo Bills did was just working, and that was, uh, that was special. And actually, speaking of those same Denver Broncos, I still just have no confidence in them with Elway there, even though... Yes, I know, you know, he, he uh, won a Super Bowl already and he was executive of the year and all that, but uh, they did have an excellent draft. Drew Locke falling to them there was spectacular and uh, everything they were doing was was really special as well. So those are a couple highlights of the draft and lowlights if you include the Giants. Um, I don't know that much about Daniel Jones, but um, I am certainly on board with Chris in regard to when you're coming off a 3-13 and season, or four and twelve, whatever it was, in the Big Apple, you have got to have a contributor right away out of that six spot. And obviously, Eli Manning is going to be there at least at the beginning of this upcoming season. Uh, and Daniel Jones, I think, is a real reach at number six. I just truly believe in my heart of hearts that there were a lot of other uh, pieces that the New York Giants could have acquired at six and still gotten Daniel Jones later in the first or maybe even early in the second. Uh, Drew Locke, I think, was one of the few good picks by John Elway in Denver. I also thought Noah Fant, the tight end, going to Denver, will certainly help Joe Flacco this year and uh, Mr. Locke in years to come in Rocky Mountain land. I really like the pick talking about Iowa tight ends. And this pains me because I hate Detroit, Minnesota, and Chicago in the NFC North. But the Detroit Lions made a wise pick, I think, by taking the best overall tight end in the draft by taking TJ Hawkinson from Iowa. My surprise pick, though, and and the team, and the reason I'm surprised, or the surprise transaction maybe is the better word, was ultimately, and I believe his name is Chris, and I don't know his last name, the general manager of the Miami Dolphins. I can't uh, remember right off the top of my head. I know his first name is Chris, but it doesn't matter because they've been so they've been nondescript since 1973 in South FLA. But to be able to 
acquire a potential franchise quarterback and I'm not a fan of Josh Rosen but we've got to give him one we've got to give him more than one year in Arizona under two different offensive coordinators and a coach that lasted only one year in Steve Wilkes. Josh Rosen had some good days at UCLA, not many but a few. But remember folks, he was the number 10 pick overall in the 2018 draft and Miami got him from Arizona for a second round pick. But here's the best part. They have him under contract for the next four years, uh, next three years, excuse me, and they only have to pay him $3.65 million over the duration of that term because a lot of Rosen's money from Arizona was up front in the form of a signing bonus, and that's already been paid by the Arizona Cardinals. So Miami basically gets a three-year deal and a three-year kick at the can to see if Josh Rosen can play at this level. I thought that was a brilliant move by the Miami Dolphins. I mean, they had nowhere to go from up at the quarterback position. You have the guy with the beard who's been around for 100 years, the Harvard grad. uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Thank you, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And they've, I think they acquired, or they, they got, they, they picked somebody else up. I can't remember who it is. It's, it's nondescript. But Josh Rosen, I believe, should be, to steal a racing term, he should be the leader, the golf term, he should be the leader in the clubhouse to start the season open for the Dolphins. I really believe that. But the Dolphins, I think, made a really wise investment here, and it only cost them only $3.65 million over a three-year term. So I think that was probably the steal of the draft if it works out well for the Miami Dolphins. I think that Buffalo, as Chris mentioned, had an unbelievable draft, probably the draft of all 32 teams. I thought the New England Patriots did very, very well considering their low where they draft in every round, which is 32nd in every round because of their status as the defending Super Bowl champion. I thought they did very well up there in the greater Boston area. My Packers, I'm a little bit confused about what the Green Bay Packers did, and it's because of one pick. I love the kid out of Maryland at safety, Darnell Savage, who supposedly has run as fast as a 4.2940, according to him. He timed out at 4.3 something at the combine, but regardless, he's got catch-up speed. The problem I'm having with the Packers draft is Rashawn Gary from Michigan at 12. Very similar to your position at 6 in the draft. At 12, when you're coming off a 6, what was it, 6, 8, and 1 season in Green Bay, you've got to have a guy at 12 that's going to be a difference maker in this upcoming season. I'm not saying Rashawn Gary couldn't be a difference maker, but why did you spend a big bundle of money on two edge rushers in Ladarius or Ladanius or whatever, Zadarius Smith from from Baltimore and Preston Smith from Washington as both of your rush ends, and then you go out and get Rashawn Gary. Green Bay had needs on their offensive line, which they which they addressed in round two, which I was happy to see with the Jenkins kid. Excuse me, the Jenkins kid out of Mississippi State. But why Rashawn Gary coming off a, a shoulder problem that even in his first workout as a Packer, he was wearing a harness. And we know what happened to our 2017 first-round pick. He's still in a harness, Kevin King out of Washington. So I'm a little confused with the Packers draft because of that first overall pick for them at number 12. 
Yeah, that Rashawn Gary pick is weird because he's the type of guy, because of some of the concerns you mentioned, where you can get value for him if he falls past where he would otherwise be drafted, and then you pick him up later, and it's a good value. It's like when teams take, you know, when the Jaguars got Miles Jack super right. late or some something like that, you know, someone really falls Coming off part. an injury, right. Yeah, exactly. And yet, then the uh, Packers go the other way, and they overdraft him. They draft him early, which didn't really make a lot of sense. And even Darnell Savage, and I want to say I love what I've seen of Darnell Savage. I love his tape. You watch his tape. Yeah, it's awesome. It's not just, oh, he did well at the Combine. Like, he, uh, he has really, really good tape. But the problem is, he probably should have gone a little bit later than he did. And I believe they traded up to get him, too. It cost him two fourth-round picks. See, that's a big price to pay to jump up nine spots. And I, I think Savage would have been there nine I spots later, right? And so that was weird. And I understand. You watch his tape. That's the type of kid you can fall in love with watching his tape too much. You'll start to get mesmerized and be like, we need to have this kid. We'll do anything to get him. But not to interrupt, but here's a kid with all respect. I like his game. His tape is fantastic. But how many big games has this kid played at Maryland? None. Realistically, none. They've been botter feed them feeder material in the Big Ten Conference, and I'm afraid that it's going to cost the Packers some time for him to adjust to play at the NFL level. Yeah, but you know, even if he's good, it was still a reach. They didn't need to give up those fourths, and very, very suspect drafting by the Packers. I was really uh, having high hopes for them, and uh, I don't know what really happened there. But anyway, to your Josh Rosen point, I have to disagree with you, Mike. That's I just, fine. I think he is. Just a completely sunk cost. I wrote an extremely, extremely excoriating article, and uh, I we actually put I actually posted it on another website, and it got my column got over a hundred thousand views nice. on it. Uh, and I, I showed it to a guy at work, and he said, "You wrote that one?" I'm like, "Yeah," because he goes to that site too. And he thought, "Man, like you just murdered the guy." And I said, "Yeah, I know." And I just I don't believe him in him at all. I'm surprised that he fetched more than a sixth or seventh round pick and i just i think if it's a straight up competition and not a coronation i think that ryan fitzpatrick is going to beat him for the job i absolutely do unless it's rigged and i just don't believe in him and the thing is for week one baltimore at miami Mm. it would be interesting if because i mean fitzpatrick likes to kick ass at the beginning of seasons so that would actually give the terrible 300 to 1 miami dolphins uh, a chance of winning that game if it was in Baltimore, I'd really like Baltimore. But it'd be interesting if they have Rosen starting that game for Miami at home to Baltimore. It would be weird. I could actually bet on Baltimore because I would actually see on the other team a guy I trust even less than Lamar Jackson with the ball under center. So it'd be amazing. I think, wow, the one weakness, the one reason I wouldn't bet on Baltimore is negated by Josh Rosen. So that would be interesting for a pools better like myself where I have to bet on all the games with our buddy Greg, then uh, that would actually be interesting. I hope Josh Rosen does start that game. If it's if it's Fitzpatrick, you know, he's great week one, you know, for the Jets, yeah. for the Bucks, Like week one, he's awesome. So uh, that'd be tough. That'll be a tough game if he starts. And actually, I guess I should cheer for Fitzpatrick because uh, the type of betting we do, we, we need a bunch of upsets to happen to make the big money. So that'd be interesting there. Uh, moving on to a couple other teams I wanted to quickly make note about too. Let's talk about... Actually, there was a team that had a worse draft than the Giants, easily. 
And uh, it's no surprise because when you take a guy who's already an idiot and then he already has a vagina on his chin. You're talking about Houston. Oh. <laughs> and then you he wins a power struggle and they have a good GM, but he has some personal issues and he has to leave for a while. Poor Rick Smith. Uh, and then all of a sudden what's left is this guy who surrounds himself with yes men. This is what you get. You get a completely useless draft. And even if you somehow think that some of these guys they drafted were worth anything at all, the most telling thing was in the first round when they're sitting there, everyone in the world knows that the Houston Texans need some offensive linemen. They have the worst offensive line in the league, period, end of story. They're sitting there and they think, oh, we like this Andre Dillard kid. He's going to fall to us. Oh, sorry, Howie Roseman, a real GM, the best GM in the league, scoops him up, trades up and takes him right from under your nose, snatches him out from underneath you, and you're left there holding the bag. And so what do you do then? You think, oh, we just need the next tackle on our board. And you go and take Titus Howard, who was no higher than a second round pick, but probably should have been third. And you end up taking him uh, and not trading down. You could have easily traded down for him. What a panic move. That was a, a rookie mistake. It was pathetic. It was inexcusable. And the Houston Texans are a joke franchise. They're already wasting Deshaun Watson. Now just having him take extra punishment for no reason is going to make it even worse. And it, it's just, it's pathetic. And the Houston Texans deserve to really get their ass kicked this season. And really, they should have gotten rid of Bill O'Brien a long time ago, but he keeps doing well in a terrible division. That's not going to happen because of this other great team that I really like their draft. And that's, of course, the Indianapolis Colts the most cap space in the league, and yet even with that might have the best roster overall. And uh, I really love that Paris Campbell pick. That's mm -hmm. going to be a sleeper as a wide receiver. What a great landing spot for him. T.Y. Hilton's getting older. They signed Devin Funches, who sucks. And uh, Paris Campbell, uh, you fantasy footballers out there, watch for him. I'm going to take him at the end of my drafts, I think, and I'll be excited to do so. But uh, they, they really, I love it. They take a stud receiver for Andrew Luck, and then they just focus like crazy on the defense for the rest of it. Uh, they take all these great guys. Uh, however you say, Bobby, uh, I ever forget, Okariki or whatever. But he was the one where, I don't know if you saw Pat McAfee, came back, the, the old punter, yeah, you yeah. know, who did the kickoffs. Yeah. Uh, so he recently got hired by WWE, Pat McAfee. So he's a commentator for WWE now. And he went out and he did the old, who's that guy, Drew Pearson, the other year, who did the big, uh, he did the big thing when they were in Philly for the right. Cowboys. Like, oh, right. five time, and the crowd's booing him. So Pat McAfee did the same thing, because this one was in Tennessee. Right. So, you know, he's like, a lot of you guys might not know who I am since we didn't punt a whole lot against the Titans and then boo, you know? and then he had all these great lines and he just, it was great. If you haven't watched Pat McAfee uh, deliver the pick this year for the Colts, it was awesome. But anyway, that's who they picked. There was this Bobby Okariki or whatever, but uh, a lot of great other guys. They got that Rocky Sin. They got Kahari Willis. They got Marvin Tell. Great draft haul by the excellent Chris Ballard. What a great GM he is to honestly, to honestly have arguably the best roster in the NFL and the most cap space. Honestly. Yeah. Like, how good are you at your job? Seriously. Like, let's give Chris Ballard some credit for executive of the year. And I could see the Colts winning the Super Bowl this year. And even if they do pretty well this year, you got to look at this guy as GM of the year already. Well, and think about it. They won, what, 10 or 11 games in a row to yeah. get into the playoffs yeah. last year. They finally bought into what Frank Reich was doing there. It is very good right now, I would imagine to be a fan of the Indianapolis Colts. If you are just joining us, thank you so very much for doing so here on episode number 345 of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you as we're taking our little bit of a look at 
what happened a couple of weeks ago in Nashville, Tennessee at the 2019 NFL Draft. And I don't think we can go much farther without mentioning, <clears throat> excuse me, what the uh, Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders did a couple of weeks in Nashville. I think they surprised the football world by taking Clellan, whatever his name is. I can't Farrell. Farrell, thank you. Fourth overall. I think that was a bit of a reach. But overall, I think that uh, Mike Mayock and, of course, obviously John Gruden did a very nice job uh, with the, the draft this year with the Oakland Raiders. They got themselves some really good football players. And uh, moving forward, that's what they need after a 2-14 and 14 season or 3-13, and 13, whatever it is. You need football players, and I think... And you know what? Farrell is not a bad football player, folks. But everything that I had read had him late first round, maybe mid to late first round, and a couple publications even had him slipping into the second round. And for him to go at four overall to the Oakland Raiders, that was a bit of a stretch. But uh, we shall see. Another team, I think, that really improved themselves. And again, let's give Mickey Loomis some credit. I mean, we always hear about Sean Payton, and we always hear about, obviously, Drew Brees and the, the miraculous work that those two are doing on the on-field production for the New Orleans Saints. But Mickey Loomis, the general manager of the New Orleans Saints, has done an unbelievable job behind the scenes getting and, and stockpiling that roster with football players, and he's done it again. A couple of years ago, he won the draft with Marcus Lattimore out of Ohio State and a couple other kids that he drafted. Here in 19, he may not have won the draft, but he certainly didn't lose the draft. And Mickey Loomis has done a nice job. We always talk about, and rightfully so, Howie Roseman and what a job he does in Philadelphia. But I don't think we give enough props sometimes to Mickey Loomis and the job that he has done with his scouting staff down in New Orleans. That's true. I also uh, think it's interesting to see what Jared Cook can do this year for the New Orleans Saints since Ben Watson pretended to retire or thought he was going to and then already had five kids and then had twins and now has seven kids. <laughs> so he decided that he or he realized, football. you know, look, Ben Watson, arguably the smartest player in the league, got 48 out of 50 on the Wonderlick, one of the greatest scores of all time. Very, very smart man. But guess what, man? Seven kids? I don't know why people breed so much these days. I have I have no idea. Like, honestly, like, I saw Gordon Ramsay had his fifth kid the other day. I just, every time I see this now, I just yell at the TV, like, why are you people breeding some, why do you even want this? What do you do? I don't care how much money you have. Well, and apparently Ben Watson, no matter what he says, I'm sure he's been smart with his money. He's a very smart guy. But uh, all of a sudden, magically, right away, he's coming out of retirement, one year, three million with the Patriots. Yeah, kids are expensive, man. I know. Seven kids. What are you? Uh, well, what is uh, uh, our favorite quarterback, Philip Rivers? He's got eight, eight, doesn't he? Yeah. He's got eight. Like, I don't know what these people are doing, but anyway. They're all from Salt Lake City. Well, I, I just don't get the whole breeding thing. But anyway, uh, with the Oakland Raiders, yeah, Cleland Farrell, Cleland Farrell is not a bad football player. The problem was that pick, and it wasn't just a reach. The problem for me was everyone is so excited because you remember all the times you see the great draft coverage with Mike Mayock and John Gruden broadcasting right. the draft. Right. Right. And then you think some of these guys, especially Mike Mayock, who's a really smart guy, and you often watch and you think, man, this guy knows his stuff. Like, if only, why don't you hire someone like that for the GM chair? You you hire these seemingly random executives when you could hire a Mike Mayock. Like, that sounds awesome. The guy's smart. He's a talent evaluator. He's brilliant. And then you hire him, and he does this. 
And I guess it really speaks to how when you're in the big chair, it's just different. I remember one time there was this guy, uh, Tyler Dello, who was an amazing columnist, probably still is now, on the internet for the Oilers. Or, well, I mean, he wasn't for the Oilers at the time, but he would just do all these amazingly advanced uh, and, and analytical stories. And then the Oilers hired him to be an advanced analytics guy. And one of their uh, one of the reporters for Sportsnet saying, oh, his eyes were as wide as saucers. Like once he's actually there, it's it's different being part of the show. And maybe that's uh, going to give me a little more confidence in Ken Holland running the Oilers because it's a guy that's been there. All the other candidates hadn't actually been there. They can be great on paper, but it's tough when you're actually in the chair. Similarly with the Oakland Raiders. This was uh, just shocking. I'm blown away that Mike Mayock didn't have more poise under pressure. I know it's his first draft, but he should have at least traded down. The Bills, as we heard, were really, really interested in trading up. They couldn't have known they'd get Ed Oliver at nine. And you could have just done so much. It was just a terrible value selection. I will say he did redeem himself a little bit. I like this Josh Jacobs pick at 24 a lot more than most people. I think this is also going to be a great fantasy play. Marshawn Lynch just retired. They signed Isaiah Carell to a one-year deal. He's out for the year already with a torn ACL, I believe. And all of a sudden, you've got this Josh Jacobs, a potential three-down back, sort of in the mold of a Le'Veon Bell. He's not necessarily that, but he has the potential to be that. Well, and also look at it this way, and I agree with you absolutely, but when you are at the University of Alabama, you've got about nine running backs. So these guys come out and they aren't beat up. You know what I mean? They haven't take, they haven't taken every snap from center and they haven't taken every running play. They have so many, they've got so many running backs down there that these guys all come out probably a couple years extra fresh, if you will, after they've played for Nick Saban at Alabama because, my God, I mean, look at all the running backs that have come out over the last number of years from Alabama since Lou Saban, or since uh, Lou Saban was the father, since Nick Saban took over at Alabama. It's unbelievable all the running backs that are filtering around on NFL uh, rosters. So I think that's a great pick. That's why I think Oakland had a great draft. Uh, again, uh, for all of what you just said in regard to uh, Farrell from Clemson, good football player, think they could have gotten him later, save some money there. Who knows? Oh, they easily could have gotten him later. There's no question about that. That's just... That's just a crazy, crazy pick. That's just worrying about who you want. And just if you know you can get him, even if it's early, it's just saying, okay, we're just going to do that. That's somewhat lazy, which is what I'm just really concerned with, with Mike Mayock. I wouldn't think that he would be lazy in that. And I have to imagine it was more maybe nerves or just concern that he was just, it wasn't worth the risk. But when you have a number four pick, that is very, very high value. You could single-handedly change your draft massively for the better just by picking up an extra, You know, what would you get, like an extra couple fourth-round picks, move down a few spots, still get the same guy? You haven't lost anything. And you can't, you can't value the guy that highly, I don't think, related to all the other top 10 picks out there. It's just, that's, that's a crazy thing, especially when the New York Giants are picking Daniel Jones. I mean... What are you worried about, honestly? Never mind. And really, to to me, the Arizona Cardinals are picking Kyler Murray number one, which I'm just I'm just absolutely convinced that is going to be a bust pick. That we're going to look back at two top ten picks in a row, Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray, by the Arizona Cardinals, which will both be busts, which is just devastating for a franchise. I'm just absolutely convinced of that when you have two top six picks being wasted on quarterbacks, it probably won't turn out. 
you've got all the opportunity in the world. So I have to say I'm disappointed in the intellectual laziness of Mike Mayock. I have to make a comment here about the Arizona Cardinals organization. When you've given up the in the last two drafts, your number 10 overall pick in the draft went to a quarterback. Your number one pick in this year's draft went to a quarterback. And I am not high on Cliff Kingsbury as the coach. This guy is coming off a season where he was fired. And I've said this before, but I need, I think, I think it needs to be stated again. This guy's coming off a losing season in Lubbock, Texas at Texas Tech University. And he's had three losing seasons in a row. And he was only there the last couple of years because he was an alumni of Texas Tech. He was, he was the quarterback when uh, back in the halcyon days, if you will, of Texas Tech football when Air Leach was there, when the coach at Washington State, Mike Leach, was down in Texas Tech, and they were putting up 55, 60 points a game, and they were just outscoring teams. But after three losing seasons in a row at a Big 12 school, and we know the Big 12 is not that strong a conference these, di- these days, guys. It's Oklahoma and 11 other schools is what it is. How much confidence do you have in a guy that is coming in and he's coming, again, not to sound repetitive, but he's coming off three straight losing seasons at Texas Tech, and now he's been given, you know, he's been given the golden sombrero, if you will, to be the new coach of the Arizona Cardinals with his great offensive mind. What happens when Kyler Murray busts? Then what do you do? As part of your rebuilding plan, you should have been able to use one from 2019 and number 10 from 2018 to build your foundation for stronger teams. Now you're not going to have either one of those guys on your roster, I don't believe, within the next three or four years. Obviously, Rosen's already in South Florida. Who knows how long Kyler Murray. I believe, and I truly believe this, and you can take this for whatever it's worth, but I truly believe that Kyler Murray is going to find, obviously, the NFL a much different game, but he's also going to find it much different because it would be less of a shock to me if he had played at an SEC school or a Big Ten school or one of the power conferences in major college football. Again, I don't mean to sad sack and poo-poo on the Big 12, but realistically, folks, that has not been a good conference the last number of years. Again, it's Oklahoma, and can you name another team? West Virginia? No, not really. I mean, they're in the league, but they aren't that good. So I think, ultimately... You might think I'm crazy when I say this, but that's not the first time that I'm going to be called crazy. I believe in my heart of hearts, by the time this young man is 25, 26 years old, he's going to be back in a baseball uniform. I believe the NFL is going to be too much for him. And I believe that he's going to be back to where he's a little bit more comfortable and obviously for his health, a lot safer. And he's going to be on a major league baseball roster. I totally agree. I I have tried to even force myself to picture him being successful at the NFL level, and I just can't do it. Like I can't, I cannot picture Kyler Murray being a superstar in the NFL. I just, I can't do it. And it's not just his height, because look, Doug Flutie was great, and Russell Wilson's great, and it's not like I can't picture a quarterback who's shorter. But me of all people, <laughs> right? I mean, like, of course I can, but I just, I can't see it with this kid. I just can't do it. I mean, if you. If you go up to someone and say, "Hey, here's a uh, here's Tim Tebow, but half the size at the NFL level," like what? How is that a good thing? Like, it doesn't make any sense. All these all these quarterbacks, uh, these Heisman winning fancy quarterbacks, or else top guys, even if they didn't quite win the Heisman, like how many times do you have to see Vince Young and Tim Tebow 
and Matt Leinart. Like, how how many times do you have to see these guys and think they're, oh, this this time, this is the real thing. Like, yeah, yeah. sometimes it does work out. Sometimes it's Cam Newton. Like, that, that's great. But sometimes it's not, and usually it's not. And I just cannot picture this guy being the real deal. Uh, one last thing while we're on the subject of the quarterbacks, uh, I'd like to give the Washington Redskins some credit for a great draft as well. Yeah. Uh, they really took advantage. Uh, if there was one team that benefited from other teams just making bad decisions or just, you know, making decisions, I think, based on the wrong, on false premises or something like that, it was the Washington Redskins. Because to sit there at 15 and to have Dwayne Haskins fall to you, because this is a pick that even if Dwayne Haskins is a bust, I still don't fault this pick because to have him be arguably the best quarterback in the draft, you get him way, way after first and sixth. You get him at 15, which is significantly, uh, you know, below if you look at the draft value chart. That's way less valuable than a number one or a number six. You get him at 15 without trading up or anything. If you're a franchise that can never seem to find that franchise quarterback, you have probably the best quarterback in the draft fall right into your lap. You take him. Then you get to the guy that I thought the Green Bay Packers were going to get at some point, which was Montez Sweat. And it turns out that he was he, the only reason he wasn't a top 10 pick was because of this mysterious heart condition they said he had. Then it turns out that that was just a complete misdiagnosis. He doesn't have a heart condition at all. And then you know they're getting him way after that. Like it's it's crazy. They basically got two top ten picks yeah. with just normal first and second round picks or whatever. So that's just unbelievable to me. Uh, or sorry, no, no, that's part of me. They did trade up for Montez Sweat at the end of the first round, but well, still, but still, and, I mean, and can you imagine ridiculous. Redskins, especially in that NFC East division? Can you imagine the next ten years, maybe seven years, of Ryan Kerrigan? And Montez Sweat coming from either side. Yeah, with Deron Payne in the middle. Deron Payne in the middle. Washington, and you know, it's funny when you say that, and you're right in regard to giving some props to the Washington Redskins, but the Washington Redskins have never been known as Draft Central USA or Draft Central NFL because of Daniel Schneider. But man, somebody there, I don't know who it was, but somebody got Schneider to either go on vacation or shut the hell up or something. I couldn't agree with you more. The Washington Redskins really had a nice draft. Let me ask you then, as we put a wrap, or close to putting a wrap on this 345th episode with a very strong look at the uh, just-completed NFL draft a couple of weeks ago from Nashville, Tennessee, which teams do you think improved themselves the most in this season's version of off-season roulette? And I'm including free agency and the draft. Which teams do you think improved the most? And alternatively, which team screwed the pooch? Well, I mean, the draft is pretty indicative of that. Uh, I will say that uh, for the losers, obviously Houston, like we said. Yeah. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks also uh, by, you know, now Doug Baldwin left. And I know with him and Cam Chancellor, it's, it's largely due to injuries. But to lose those guys now, they only have three guys left from their Super Bowl team, which seems like it was just yesterday. Uh, their draft was terrible. They they drafted the sexy pick of that DK Metcalf, the right. the, the the gym rat beast, yeah. right? Uh, but I mean, he's known as a guy who can't even run routes, right? I mean, so I you have to imagine that's going to be he's an amazing athlete, but he's not a great football player, at least not yet. And I I just can't see him all of a sudden being magical at the NFL level. So Seattle is is really not looking good. Uh, I'm happy to see Buffalo, like I said, there with the great draft because now you have them. I love the Jets taking Quinn and Williams. So all of a sudden, maybe the Jets and the Bills, maybe they start to be a more interesting 
you know, threat to the New England Patriots dominance in that division. Maybe love the Indianapolis Colts. You know, they they signed Justin Houston. They have an amazing draft that Paris Campbell draft and all the defensive guys. Uh, that's great. And uh, yeah, I think I think those are the probably the biggest highlights to me. Um, the New England Patriots, I think, had a pretty okay draft, and they were smart to take Ben Watson so that they at least have a guy to replace Gronk, assuming Gronk doesn't, you know, magically unretire. But uh, I have to say, with the Patriots, there were a couple teams like them that around the fifth round or so drafted a punter, yeah. and um, I don't know, that was that was crazy to me. Like, if unless you have a punter that can either kick it way farther than everybody else, or is just a freak when it comes to accuracy. I'm actually surprised we've never had a punter in the NFL who can just like sort of place it on a dime. Like he can just make it so it bounces well, on the two-yard line. I've got one, but this is way before your time. You probably heard of the name Ray Guy years ago with the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, I think he so. was a first-round draft pick of the Raiders back in the late '70s, and this was he was a difference maker. He was a weapon. But just He's a in punter? the Hall of just Fame, a punter? just as a punter in the first round. First round. Okay, and so what did he He could just put it wherever he, he wanted? He could put it wherever he wanted it. He was the first guy from a standing position to hit the the uh, big scoreboard in the middle of the New Orleans Superdome. He had an unbelievably strong leg, but his accuracy was unbelievable, and that's why he is the only punter to be a first-time member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was unbelievable. Wow. No, I, I didn't uh, I didn't know that. But uh, yeah, I'm surprised that we don't, especially with, you know, today it's all about the advanced analytics and everything. I'm surprised we don't have some guy who just can yeah. place it exactly where we want, can just make it bounce on the two-yard line every time. Uh, but anyway, oh, the other team I just uh, wanted to mention lastly was the Jacksonville Jaguars. They had a pretty good draft, but they had a couple of reaches in there. Uh, they had this Quincy Williams, and I think was that the one that was just like, like people hadn't even heard of him. Like they took him. Was it that? Was that who they took? Like ninety eighth, and like no one else even had him in their top five hundred, and no one even heard of him. And everyone's like, who? Like the, the broadcasters like don't yeah. even know, yeah. and they're taking him with like the end of the third round or whatever. So there was that, but also outside the draft, and this isn't their fault. But Telvin Smith, who's yes. the most over, or sorry, the most underrated right. uh, member of that defense. Everyone knows the Jags have had a really good defense the last while, but yet Telvin Smith gets mentioned way less than Jalen Ramsey and all these other guys. And all of a sudden he decides he's just going to have family time for a year and maybe forever. That's devastating. And I mean, if you're going to do that, dude, you should have at least told him before the draft, you know? And so I, I feel actually bad for the Jacksonville Jaguars there. But anyway, those are, those are my thoughts. Well, who are your winners and losers? Um, I, you know what? I, um, I think teams that improve themselves in the offseason, I have to uh, go with the Washington Redskins. Um, what they did in the first round of the draft, to break, and, and Chris has already documented, so I don't need to go deep into this, but to get Haskins and Sweat in the first round and not pay as high as they potentially could have was really surprising to me from the Washington Redskins. Um, I truly believe that uh, the New York Jets had a very good draft. And supposedly there's already a rift between new head coach Adam Gaze and general manager Mike McGagan. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but whatever rift that they supposedly have, it probably didn't happen a couple of weeks ago in Memphis or Nashville, Tennessee, because the Jets were smoking during the uh, during the uh, draft. And then you add pieces, obviously, in free agency like they did in regard to Le'Veon Bell and others. I think the Jets... The Jets are a team on the rise, and if they can get any kind of quarterback play, um, is anybody going to dethrone the New England Patriots yet this year in the AFC East? No, but I think you could potentially 
potentially have a second playoff team out of the AFC East. Whether it's the New York Jets or the Buffalo Bills, that obviously has to be played out yet. But I do believe that there's a chance that there's a second team in the AFC East to see the postseason this year, obviously riding second shotgun to the New England Patriots. Teams that didn't do well in the draft, you know what? And this is not a personal shot at them, but I couldn't quite figure out what the Vikings were doing. I really don't know what the Vikings were doing. It doesn't bother me, but I don't know what the Vikings were doing. The Vikings still have offensive line concerns. I think they've got some secondary concerns. Yes, you've got Harrison Smith back there, the all-world safety, and you've got uh, Tway Waynes back there, and, and that they've got some pieces. But the Vikings now are in a position to augment what they already have. And to take that next step, they've got to fill some holes. Offensive line is a huge one. I know they picked the center out of Michigan, excuse me, out of North Carolina State, but is that enough? Um, we need to see. I don't know. I'm surprised at what they didn't do in the draft for the Minnesota Vikings. So I think Houston is a, was a disappointment. Minnesota was a bit of a disappointment. Uh, the winners, real quickly, I believe Buffalo was a winner. I believe the Jets were a winner. Without a first-round draft pick, and actually they didn't draft until the third round, I thought the Chicago Bears did pretty well. They picked up some pieces. I don't know of them, but they picked up some pieces. But you know what? All that really matters, third week of July, all these teams will be in training camp. And after the offseason of the free agent frenzy and the draft, I'm very excited to see June 28th at Lambeau Field. The Packers will have started their 101st season. That's what I'm getting excited about. We've got to run on this uh, 345th episode of Unscripted. As always, we thank you for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.